Welcome to Spiritual Warfare, How the Devil is Collecting Souls. Hello, my name is Teresa. Hello, my name is Kay. We are reading from the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's Time to Win the Battle of Your Mind by Lou Giglio. Kay is going to start us out. The heading is Always a Way Out, Miss Kay. I can hear questions already. You're saying, yeah, but Louie, what about Paul? In 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Even the great apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. If that's what was Paul's identity, what hope do I have? We have to understand the broader context. That was not Paul's identity. Paul was saying, if you line up all the folks who couldn't make it without the grace of God, then I need to be put at the top of that list. If you're trying to find people who need God's grace to cover sin, then I'm in the number one spot. Amen to that one. Me too. Amen. Paul's more complete declaration of Declaration is found in Romans 6, 1 through 2. He asked, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so the grace may be, may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The statement is emphatic by no means. Paul was tough on this practical issue. Should we just keep going through the door of marked temptation? Paul asked around and around in a circle so we can experience the wonderful grace of God. Is that the way we should live? More sin, more grace, more sin, more grace? No way. He shouted to answer his own question by no means. He went on to explain how just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Romans 6, 4. This is where the victory starts. By immersing yourself in the truth that you are a new creation. You are no longer a slave to sin. God will provide a way out. You have the victory in Christ. You do not have to give the enemy a seat at your table. And Kay, just like you said, you put your hand on the door, you open the door. But you're not any longer a slave to sin. Even though you went through it, you asked for forgiveness. He gave you a way out and it seems like you did it quickly. Because I think we have to be open to it. What I don't like is paying the price for sin. Yikes. I mean, he forgives us, but oh my gosh, when you have to pay the price sometimes for sin, oh, it's just unbearable sometimes. There is consequences to sin. There is. If you've been to London, maybe you've taken a ride on the London Underground, the city's subway system. It's often referred to by its nickname, the Tube. 
What's amazing is that different lines run in different depths under the surface of the ground. Maybe you start on the Jubilee line, then transfer to the Piccadilly line, <laughs> and then go to the Central line, then travel for a while to the Bakerloo line. If it's not your everyday commute, you can get disoriented, especially given that all these different train lines operate at differing levels below ground. Kay is our little Miss Traveler. Actually, she's worked in travel for 43 years now. Yes. And yeah, she's going to retire next year. But have you ever ridden on that? I've rode on the tube. Oh, yeah, have you I really? Have. So, what type of experience was it? Um, it um, in the beginning, it was. It, I was nervous about it because, yes, I'd never experienced a major subway system like that. It's underground. It's underground. Most of it is. Yeah, it's underground. You just had to pay attention to the different colors, and the dots of the spots of where it was stopping, and you had to. Make sure you were listening because they would announce we're stopping at Bakerloo, Bakerloo line, Piccolo, you know, Piccadilly, whatever. So you you did you had to you had to pay attention. So it's fast paced. It sounds very like fa- very fast pace. Yes. Very. Did it make you sick? No, no, not at all. Mm-mm. You can get disoriented. I <laughs> I was thinking that I experienced some of that there because <laughs> it says here the deepest levels are two flat platforms of the Jubilee line at the London Bridge, which runs 23.2 meters below the sea level, or 66.11 feet. You're eight stories underground. underground. I don't know if I could do that. So when you're down there, other trains are whizzing overhead, and this can all be quite confusing. So that's why I was saying you really had to pay attention to what they were announcing when the doors opened and yeah. What happened if you missed it? Did they go turn uh, around and come back that way? Figure a way out, yeah, to stay on the train until it came back around or, you know, get off in a familiar place and try to get back on and go the other direction. Eight stories underground. Yeah. Yikes. But here's the good news from a guy from Atlanta. Everywhere you go in the underground, you see signs that say, way out. The signs themselves don't look the same. But they all say the same thing. I took pictures of a bunch of different signs last time we were there. One sign was round with the red circle around it. Another sign was long, thin, rectangular, and blue. Another sign was inscripted inside the shape of stained glass window. Another was pure business. No matter the shape or color of the sign, they all said the same thing. Way out. God offers us several signage. He is always faithful. He is always true. Thanks to the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we might get tempted, but we don't have to sin. There's a way out. Sometimes I just need to have it stuck right to my forehead. (laughs) Way out. It's harder if you purposely put yourself in sinful situations. Right. Because... The chances of you not sinning, being in that type of atmosphere, is slim to none. So, a series of smaller doors, what might the way out sign look for you? Well, the most effective way you can avoid sin is to not walk through the door marked temptation in the first place. Okay, what we just talked about. The main way out is to stay out. 
But for those people who do go through the door, please don't beat yourself up and think you can't talk to God for a couple weeks, three weeks, a month. You did it. Own it. I'm just telling you, own it. Say you're sorry. He forgives you. Don't wallow in it. Yeah, because Satan wants you to wallow in it. Yes. So that you don't have the strength that, right. and you don't grow stronger or you don't have that conversation with God and you, you don't get on your knees and you don't get in your Bible and you don't turn on the Christian radio station and you don't, 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 you know, when you want to do, 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 do. Yes. 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 Make sure you're forgiven if you walk through that door. This means you build safeguards into the way you live. And these safeguards keep you far away from temptation. That safeguard don't go with groups of people that might draw you into that might draw you into the temptation. Yes, yes. Yes. I heard someone say um, this little um, titty bit once that um, it's no different than guardrails on the road. You should have guardrails in your life. You don't go over the guardrails. Oh, that's good. You don't stray anywhere near the doorway. Romans thirteen fourteen invites you to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know, Kay, it's really nice when God delivers you from those desires. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yes, that is. is so freeing. Like, it's like... I look back and the things that I did and, you know, the drinking, the partying and all that stuff. I could no more do that right now. I have no desire. I would get sick I and ugh, I, I couldn't even yeah. think about that. No, no, I couldn't either, Teresa. I, I couldn't. No. And this is a verse you should have underlined in your Bible. When you make no provisions for the flesh, it means you live wisely. You live with discretion. You err on the side of caution. You make environmental modifications no matter how radically it might be. It's hard to do this alone, so you should be accountable to a few close friends and talk about the real struggles and temptations with them. That is so important to have a couple good friends. And no matter what you've done, no matter how bad or how big the sin or whatever it is, that you can go to them and talk to them and tell them and they won't judge you and they'll pray for you. Nobody is better than anyone. We are all equal in the sight of God. I don't care if you have a master's, a doctorate, if you're a janitor, it does not matter. And some people think that matters, yeah. and other people are below them. Right. They have a rude awakening on Judgment Day, I'm afraid. The main way out is to stay out. For example, maybe you don't have a problem with porn, but you see how porn can become a problem in your house. So in the spirit of living with discretion, you install filters on all your family computers. Those filters help safeguard your integrity. You talk to a trusted friend about it, and they talk with you about what they're doing to place safeguards in their lives. That's smart. You took the way out, in this case, 
the way to stay out. Suppose your door, suppose you do open that big door marked temptation. You go through it and you find yourself heading towards sin. Watch closely. There are smaller doors marked way out along the way. Maybe your girlfriend's invited you to go to Cancun. You sense a prompting from the Holy Spirit and you think, hmm, last time I went to Cancun with my girlfriends, it was a disaster. <laughs> I wiped out a good nine months of spiritual progress. So the way out for you is immediate and straightforward. You tell your girlfriends, no, sorry, you're not going to be able to make it this time. That's how you make no provision for the flesh. Amen. And you know, that's, that is fantastic. But is. God helps yeah. you with those desires. Because then you can look at that and that trip and think, that's not the kind of trip I want to go on. Right. You know, you don't have that desire. Or maybe you stepped through a doorway already. You're looking at pictures of sunshine and beaches and dreaming of fun and the sun in Cancun. Even though you're aware it's not the smartest move for you, mentally you're straying further and further into the place of sin. You're inside the doorway. Fortunately, God is always faithful. So maybe when you book your ticket, your credit card gets declined. <laughs> That's not a sign of a bad day. That's a way out sign. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Take it. It's so cool when the Holy Spirit steps in because God loves his children. And if he sees us taking a detour, he will do what he can. And if you continue to rebuke him and say, um, hey, Kay, can I borrow your credit card <laughs> so I can book this flight? <laughs> yeah, that's not a good thing. I would give her a look. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. would give me a look. I would. What did Jesus say? <laughs> I don't know, Kay. I didn't ask him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or maybe you go even further. You update your credit card info and book your plane ticket anyway. And now you and your girlfriends have flown to Cancun. Somebody suggests that you all go to the group's favorite club. You wince with a little prodding of the Holy Spirit and think, okay. Last time we went to that same club, and that's where all the trouble began. You can still have a way out. You can say, no, I'm not going to that club. Or no, let's go somewhere else. Or no, you guys, I want to take a walk on the beach. But now you're in the taxi headed to the club. You still sense the conviction of the Spirit. Don't keep going. By God's grace, there's a tiny door by which you can escape. Hey, girls, I know this sounds crazy, like crazy town. But I'm getting out at the next intersection. I'm getting another taxi back to the hotel. No judge intended, intended. And so sorry for the drama, but I need to go. Extreme, you say? Maybe. But resisting temptation is not a game. It's a war. It is a war. And when you go to those places, Satan wants to kill you. And sometimes, I mean, God protects our lives by if you strongly feel the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that, don't go there, don't go there. Satan's going to lead you there to try to destroy you, kill you. He wants your life and your soul. 
you need to listen and you need to go to what the Holy Spirit is is saying. If you want a way out, God is faithful. The Holy Spirit will give you a way out and the Holy Spirit will give you another out. And the Holy Spirit in his mercy will give you another out after that. (laughs) It amazes me Mm. how many times Mm. God does that with his children. Mm -hmm. The doorways might become smaller and smaller the further along you go. The way out is more difficult to take because you're further along in the pathway. And I think a lot of times, if we're with a group of people, we're too embarrassed or we don't want to say, oh, you know what, guys? No, I don't think so. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. If I feel something's not right, I don't care who I'm with. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going, and it is okay to change your mind. And if you hear the Holy Spirit talking to you, you need to take heed. You need to listen because he is protecting you from something that he doesn't want you to get into. And it is okay to leave a group of people. The way out is more difficult to take because you're further along the pathway and the potential consequences, if you opt not to take the way out, become more serious. But look closely. Opportunities to take the way out are still there. The first doorway is at a regular sized door you'd find in any house. The second doorway out is a pet sized door that folks cut for Fido to get out. The third doorway is at a teeny tiny Barbie house door way that only your phone will slide through. But you can still win the battle. You don't have to give the enemy a seat at your table. You can still get out. The other main way to avoid sin is simply to stop gazing at the door marked temptation. Go a different direction entirely. Exchange the door marked temptation for the door marked invitation. Focus on a different door, the door of Christ. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. See, at its core, the gospel message is not don't sin, that message is often preached because it lands with it lands with lots of punch. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. But the message of the cross is for far less about don't sin and much more about come, walk with God. Talk with God. The gospel message is through the work of Christ our sins are forgiven. The gospel message is that through the work of Christ, our sins are forgiven. We are new creations and we can step into a relationship with the almighty God. Jesus offers us an abundant life. That is life to the full. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 3, 8 said, now we really live. Go back to Psalm 23 and John 10, 1 through 18 and imagine life as a sheep with Jesus as your good shepherd. The point of those two passages is that God promises to guide you. Just as sheep can learn to recognize the voice of their shepherd, you are given the ability to hear the voice of Christ. 
You can see what the shepherd is doing. You can rest at the shepherd's care. You can move in step with the shepherd. As you live closely with Jesus, you discover that you can trust God. You can look back on your life and see times he carried you. Times he pulled you close. Times he kept you out of danger. Times he navigated you through. Intimacy with God is the way to true fulfillment. How do you keep the enemy from sitting at your table? You keep your eyes on Christ. Note again the story of Adam and Eve. Before the temptation came, there was an invitation for both of them to continue walking with God. Immediately after the fall, when Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they recognized the sound because they were familiar with it. God had walked and talked with Adam earlier when Adam named the animals. God had made Eve and brought her to man. They knew what it was like to walk with God. They were made in the image of God and they knew what it was like to have a relationship with God and do God's work on earth with God. That was the larger gospel as Adam and Eve understood it. There was a definite command, don't sin, don't eat of the fruit. But there was larger good news that said, come and enjoy God. That larger gospel is extended to you today. You're saved. Yes, but has God ever been more to you than a command not to sin? Is God larger to you than a ticket to heaven when you die? Sure, it's good you're saved. Sure, it's good you're forgiven. Sure, it's good you're going to heaven. Yet beyond the truth, God is greatly interested in knowing him. Right now, today, Long before you ever get to heaven, how well do you actually know God? Wow. If you are in close communion with God and he talks to you, isn't it awesome, Kay? Yeah. And the things that he does in your life, and I mean, he will walk before you and clear the enemies out of your path. And he truly will. And it is amazing to watch him do that. I've seen him do so many things. He blows my mind. If you want to walk and talk with him and get close with him, and he wants you to bring that stuff to him. Yes, he does. Because you have the power and the authority to release the heavens down upon this earth and to go before you. That is so powerful, Kay. Yeah. So powerful. Well, you know, he left us the Holy Spirit. You know, he blessed us with the Holy Spirit. And I know that, you know, the um, the disciples um, didn't understand that when he told them that he was going away to a place, but he was going to leave them with a helper. And, Teresa, I know that when... I feel the Holy Spirit leading me, guiding me, speaking to me. There's nothing like it. You know, it's, um, he's there with us, within us. It's he, awesome, isn't it? It, it is awesome. Yes. It's so yes. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it is because in many cases, myself, I know that because of having 
the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given me. I can discern times when I see something or I, I know in my heart that it's not good or there's a motive behind it to stand up against it or to say no or just go like, yeah, just, you know, to turn away from it because I know, I know better. I know better than to fall into the temptation that's right there before me. God will meet all of your needs all if you let him. All of your needs. Yes. Yes. And I hear mm-hmm. people say, that is stupid if you ask God for food or to pay a bill. or to." It's in his word. He wants you to come to him for everything. And I think it's pride that keep people from that. Yeah. His word, I do believe so. Yeah. Honey... I love doing it. <laughs> I love watching him work. He gives me the best of everything. He does. All of his children. He wants to give you the best. He wants to give you the he best. He doesn't want you to settle for less. No. He does not. No. Uh-uh. No. He 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 does not. Jeez, he has blessed me tenfold in so many things. Yeah. He He truly has. So, Kay, we're going to wrap up here, and next week we're going to read about baby zebras. I have no idea what it's about. (laughs) That's the caption, baby zebras. (laughs) So, have a great week, have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week.